Missile, a MechWarrior Online podcast. Welcome everyone, this is your host Cozen Indigo and I'm here again with everyone's favourite grognard, Captain Cat. How are you Cat? I'm doing really good. Well today's episode is the fifth and final in our balance series uh, and what we're hoping to do with this episode is basically summarise the key points that we've discussed over the past four episodes uh, and tie those together in one coherent discussion. So hopefully you have checked out those previous episodes where we look at the four different areas that influence the balance picture uh, and today's where we summarize our thoughts on balance uh, as a whole. And just a heads up uh, that this episode is a bit longer than normal uh, given you know that there is a bit that we have to cover. Uh, so to help with this we are releasing an accompanying document with this episode so that's like a, a Google document uh, that you can go and check out. Uh, what we've done is we've tried to put down the key points that we'll cover today into that document, uh, put it down in written form just to hopefully make it a little bit easier to digest. Uh, so do check that out. Um, obviously it supports what we have said today uh, and you know just puts it down for to make it a little bit easier uh, to understand. Now before we did kick off this episode, there's a couple of things that we did want to cover. Uh, firstly, Kevin, how have you found the champion mech? Ah, oh, the champion. Yeah, I very good actually that mech is uh really surprised me i went into it thinking it wasn't going to be all that but i found myself just wanting to play it again and again i it's it, which is interesting because i don't know about you but i found it to be not so much of a threat when i'm on the battlefield yeah i don't know whether people underestimate it i think it's just it looks it's as wide as an aircraft carrier so you think it's going to be easy to hit easy to go down but I've just found playing it fun, you know, mounting ballistics and, and um, energy mostly. The width of the arms seems to help encourage me to twist the damage off. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it is it, it spreads damage quite well. I mean, those sort of aircraft-shaped mechs like the Timberwolf and the Stalker and all those where, you know, you try to hit the nose and it just spreads either side onto the torsos means that it sort of just automatically spreads quite well. But then those massive arms, you can tank and absorb quite a bit of damage with those. But also the loadouts have been quite fun. I mean, I've been running heavy gorse and five medium lasers, which is a lot on a 60-tonner. Even the racks. Racks, yeah. Yeah, playing with the racks. I've, I've really enjoyed, you know, I hadn't really got into the racks previously. But um, yeah, it's, I mean, having that many ballistics in that torso is yeah, lots of fun. What's the loadout there? Uh, three rack twos and three medium lasers or, or three ERs. But, you know, me, I'm not very good with the heat. So <laughs> try and stick to the mediums. Yeah. I think that's that's the one that I've put three UAC twos and one AC2 on, which is a pretty amazing side peaker. It'll it'll challenge the dragon. It doesn't have those jam chance quirks, but, I mean, just for the amount of DPS you can put down range, it's it's, it's pretty good. It's a good example for me of a mech that's a mech that's kind of sneaky good. Hadn't come in with a lot of reps, uh, but it's one you kind of need to play to realise that it is a lot of fun, and it's I think it hits that balance quite well between not not coming off as super OP, uh, but but having a role, and being able to do something well. And uh, uh, the builds I've got is a Gorse and six CR mediums, and yeah, a couple. Of, there's one that I've got it's two LBXs and some small pulse lasers. That's quite a capable brawler because it actually has like the same sort of armor quirks as the linebacker. Uh, it gets you up to the same sort of armor levels as the linebacker, even at five tons less. You're around 103 CT and 74 or something side torsos. So there's a bit to get through. 
Yeah, you sent me that build. I'm absolutely loving that brawl build. That's the DPS is crazy with the two LVX tens and the small poles. Do you think um small poles are making a comeback? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the their their role in the game is a, is a DPS weapon, DPS energy weapon, and then you know the kind of mechs that can both those it, it, combined with the dissipation mean that you pretty much just never stop shooting. I wouldn't. I'm not gonna pick that there they're stronger or anything now because it's all relative to what's around it and that's sort of still bedding down I think people are still trying to work out what is good the champion definitely gets my vote so I'd say uh, get it play it I think uh, yeah I think you'll enjoy it if you like like ballistics ballistics and lasers it's good fun yeah for sure me too plus one nice nice well, last of all, I uh, would like to take this opportunity to thank a friend of the podcast. Uh, that's a talented musician who goes by the name Nerdy Absurdy. If you like that uh, catchy intro that brings you into the podcast and leaves you kind of tapping your foot and bobbing your head like it does for me, uh, then go on and check out his channel. It's on SoundCloud and you can either just search uh, Nerdy Absurdy uh, or we'll leave a link in the show notes. So go on there, check it out. Uh, some pretty funky music on there. Right, well, as always, uh, we hope that you enjoy the episode. Uh, as we discuss in the episode, you know, balance is something that a lot of people have thoughts on. Uh, and I guess the most important thing is that you, you have the conversation. Um, so today we'll give you our thoughts. Uh, but as always, we would really love to hear yours. Uh, so make sure that you tweet us. Uh, you can hit get us at incoming P, uh, follow us on Twitter, or send us an email. That's at incoming missile podcast at gmail.com. Uh, and do tell us what you thought about today, uh, in particular, uh, your views on the balance picture. All right, buckle in, Mech Warriors. Let's do this. Alright, we are back, welcome back Mech Warriors, and uh, in today's episode we are doing a bit of a wrap up, a bit of a summary uh, on the balance discussion that we have been having over the last four episodes. Captain Cat, how are you doing mate? Yeah, good, good. Did you say we were going to be doing a wrap? I thought we were going to battle tear up or something. <laughs> yeah, I'm not quite at that level. And the hip hop apotamus, my lyrics are bottomless. Oh, goodness, goodness. Yeah, um, no, <laughs> a wrap up. Um, and yeah, uh, as mentioned, that, that's uh, a bit of a summary. That is a little bit of a, a Kiwiism, uh, that one. But uh, yeah, I mean, what we're going to try and do is um, just try and bring together some of the things that we've been talking about in the previous episodes and, and bring them into a little bit of a uh, coherent conclusion or a summary. Uh, we're going to just remind you about what we were talking about and why that matters. You know, then we're going to talk about, you know, well, where do we go to from here, um, given that information, uh, and then we'll we'll finish up with um, just some recommendations from us uh, and uh, how we think the, the balanced picture could look moving forward. Yeah, sounds good. I mean, if you've been with us through all four episodes, we've obviously discussed a lot and the goal here is to, you know, to tie it all up in a bow. Uh, it's a pretty ambitious goal, I have to say, um, but we'll do our best. Absolutely. And, um, you know, as we've said from the start, we really just want to have the conversation uh, and it is a conversation uh, between Captain and myself. But yeah, you know, have your own opinions, do tell us what you think uh, and hopefully today we'll, we'll give you some food for thought. So as mentioned, um, you know, we have been talking balance. Balance is a big part of uh, MechWarrior. And so far we've touched on four general areas that 
we believe are pretty influential uh, influential in the balance discussion and the balance picture. Uh, and if you haven't listened already, we would encourage you to go back uh, and listen to those. But we did talk initially about player skill and matchmaking. Uh, so we were looking at the, at the pilot and the skill level there. Uh, we then talked about mechs and the balance uh, around mechs and what we were really talking about there were, were the tools basically that a pilot will use in the game. Uh, we then moved on to the game environment and what we were looking at there is the uh, things outside of the pilot and the tools uh, that influence you doing the job. So in MechWarrior we're talking about maps, we're talking about modes, we're talking about teamwork uh, and then we went on to talk about you know the wider picture, uh, the fact that uh, MechWarrior is free to play, uh, that there are certain constraints and limitations and requirements, uh, there's a certain direction that PGI have taken. All of these things were and are influences, they are things that influence the decision making uh, around balance. That's right, isn't it, Kevin? Yeah, yeah, and I mean, one of the major con conclusions I'd say, or, or things that people could take away, is that there, there's, there's really no such thing as a as a perfect balance. I mean, we're, we're talking about this stuff that's something to sort of strive towards the, the game being balanced, but in the end, we should all understand that, you know, as long as the game keeps growing and changing, then, then that will never get there. And it's just something to try and get better at. And also, you know, we all just want the game to sort of stay fresh as well. Like, you know, if we got to that perfect balance one day, well, then the game would never change and, you know, we'd all get bored of it. <laughs> unfortunately if nothing changed so you know i think necessarily you have to see you know some things go up and some things go down and times they are a changing it's a good point and, and probably the, the first thing that we want listeners to take away is that ultimately balance is a method of control that the developers are using to keep you wanting to play the game and if things get out of balance um quote unquote if these meters um, that dominate, then it's making your experience not so good. Uh, you know, you don't want to have to be forced into playing a certain strategy or a certain mech or a certain whatever to be able to play the game and compete. So, you know, balance fundamentally is about that. It's about giving, keeping people playing, as you're saying, and keeping their experience good. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, if, if to be able to play this game, you have to play Pop-Tart, Goose Peep, you know, um, which is, of course, in PPCs. That's just going to get stagnant, even if you are able to participate in that particular play style. But also, you know, ideally we want to see other things coming along to to smack that meta down and, you know, like we said, keep the game fresh, keep keep people wanting to play and trying new things, buy new mechs and weapons. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, MechWarrior is free to play, which means that there has to be change. You know, you, you, you have to generate income, they have to introduce new mechs. Um, to make sure uh, that the game can survive. So, you know, by definition, you are going to be introducing new things in uh, which need to either end or fit into that, that picture. So, yeah, you know, remember that balance is that is that, that mechanism of control. You know, it, it's, it's how do we, how do we uh, manage the strategies to win uh, to ensure that people can still have a good time. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point that, um, you know, if there was a, a dominant meta, then each new mech and or, or whatever in the game would have to support that meta or die, you know, straight away. Like it would have to just be a better or, you know, slight variation on doing exactly the same as what's already there. Otherwise it would just be dead in the water. 
and it's important to remember that balance and, and the way that you can or the things that you do to control that experience it does come in uh, many different forms and we we speak most often to what we could call local changes so we we talk most often about direct changes to say mechs or values or you know certain weapon types but mech warrior generally has either global changes so a change that affects everything like a change to heat um, or local changes where you're you're quirking a mech or um, you know you're changing a value on a weapon so each one of the each one of those types of changes whether it's global or um, or local you know does come with increased risk and so for mech warrior uh, because of the sheer number of or the sheer complexity of the game it makes global changes even riskier as you said, if you're going to make a change to something that affects all mechs, there's, you know, 700 plus. And, you know, with local changes, a local change can have a limited impact, of course, because, you know, there is that many mechs as well. So, yeah, it's, it's important to understand that when you're balancing something um, in MechWarrior in particular, then it can come in, in many different forms, many different ways. Yeah, and we've got a perfect example of, of some of that stuff right now. I mean, PGI, um, at the time of this recording, have just made you know, a large global change to the game. You know, they've changed, made some quite major fundamental changes to the way that heat works in the game. They've also made some local changes as well. They've, you know, made the hunchback, you know, uh, 2C able to take two UAC-20s. They've made it so certain mechs can fire three PPCs at the same time. Those are local changes. The large fundamental changes that they've made to the game, the global changes, have really shake in the game you know if you went into a game on that patch day it's just all over the place you know people were just dying left and right because they hadn't worked out you know how that was going to change the game it seemed like all the games were very short but i i don't know about you mate this is kind of a subjective thing and i've got a small sample size of just the games i've played but it really kind of does feel like it's settling back down again like people are you know adapting to the change <laughs> but look, the you know the heat thing is a really good example. That's a global change, and um, by making a global change to uh, influence balance, and remember balance is a control mechanism, so that people want to play, is that it can be harder to predict those downstream effects. Um, and yeah, you know that that, that increases the risk uh, of making a bold change like that because yeah, it can affect um, you know different mechs or different playstyles in different ways. Uh, and so trying to predict that can be really tricky. Uh, whereas the the local changes say to um, you know ghost heat limit for PPCs for for an awesome, or UAC twenties for the hunchback, it can be a little bit easier to predict what influence that might have. Remember, you know that's what we've been trying to have the listeners understand is um, you know balances that mechanism mechanism of control. Uh, and if you're doing a global change, it comes with a lot of risk because it's hard to predict what the downstream might be. Uh, and if you're making local ones, it's a little bit easier to predict, but it might not have the same impact that the community may want or even PGI might want. Yeah, and that, that's ex exactly what I was um, building up to say, is that in this specific example, we're kind of in the phase, you could see it as, um, you know, after there is a large global change like this one, or for example, putting skill trees into the game, there's going to be a period of major instability, and there is necessarily going to be a, you know, a, a series of remedial patches that, you know, fix stuff that got broken um, that, you know, PGI either knew about but decided they didn't want to do anything about straight away 
or it didn't account for and um, now need to make some reactive changes to bring those things back in line. So it's important, um, you know, to, to understand that there is risk associated when you're making these these balance changes, and you may need to roll things back or hot fixes or whatever. The other thing to keep in mind is that change generally can be considered as either proactive or reactive. And you just mentioned, uh, Captain, that uh, you might, you know, make the change to heat scale, and it might have some unintended consequences that um, they suspected but weren't sure of, or they weren't aware of, and so they need to, you know, go in and fix those. You're having to change to you know prevent strategies dominating and to keep the game fresh. But the reason that you change can be reactive. You can be reacting to the fact that you know the goose um, peeps is starting to take over, um, and so you kind of you know look to make changes to prevent those being dominant. But changes can also be proactive as well. You know, so you might want to increase the time to kill. Uh, so that people, it's a bit more forgiving in the slow-paced game, so you might make a proactive change to you know, add a whole bunch of quirk. So in the balance picture, we'd really want people to understand that when you are seeing these changes, um, think about whether they're proactive, whether PGI are trying to direct your game experience in a certain direction, or whether they're reactive in that they see that something is kind of going in a direction that they don't want it, and so they're putting things in place to kind of try and roll it back a little bit. Uh, and if we see something like the, the ghost heat limit, we'd say there that that's potentially a proactive change. You know, they want to deliberately introduce something new uh, to keep it fresh and, and to, to give a new experience. Uh, whereas heat might be considered uh, reactive uh, because there's been the, the meta might be leaning towards weapon systems and mechs that want to do um, high burst damage and they want to bring it back towards, you know, maybe a more DPS and, and damage over time. I mean, it makes it sound like we agree with everything that PGA ever do. And, but, I mean, I think another way of, of taking um, what's just been said is that, and, and all the podcasts that have come up to now, is that it is a really bloody complex job and it, there's no doubt going to be some missteps along the way because, you know, you can't see all outcomes or, you know, you thought something was going to be done and used a certain way and then it wasn't or, or whatever. Um, or you just fucked up, but we do see, you know, mistakes get made and things get put in the game that perhaps never should. But you know, the important thing there is that that they should be quickly addressed and 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 corrected. Again, it's it's something that we really want to emphasise is that uh, it's you know they're not always going to get it right, but they are doing it for a reason. And you may not agree or you may not understand. At least understand that a change will be made to uh, to in a balance um, context. Uh, to you know, keep the game experience good and to keep it fresh and, and to, to make sure that yeah, it's not going down one path uh, and one strategy isn't dominating over others. I'd love to be a fly on the wall in the PGI offices and, and see, listen into those conversations and understand you know, the, all the intricacies of why certain decisions that sometimes you know, from an exterior point of view can maybe make little sense or can have an obvious, you know, um, outcome that isn't what the patch notes state their um, desired outcome is. You know, I'd love to be just have like God's eye view of insights into why all that, why, why all these decisions are being made. You know, why, where are the, where are some of these things coming from? And you know, and 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 also, you know, when the community, you know, agrees that this change was done for this reason and 
and it must mean this in you know whether they're right or not <laughs> you know t- we, in episode four we did talk about the fact that sometimes uh, decisions will be made that we can't be privy to um, and decisions might be made for reasons that uh, aren't necessarily aimed at benefiting the community uh, they might be aimed at benefiting the longevity of the game or all those kind of things so you know it's just important to keep in mind uh, that yeah change will be for a reason uh, sometimes we may not understand it but you know hopefully that is something that that um, PGI would would want to do uh, more often than not is they'd want to have the community understand why those changes have been made but uh, you know because Macquarie is the game that it is there has to be change uh, there has to be balance uh, and therefore, you know, the, the, we're always going to be faced with this um, as we continue to play the game. Well, and that um, sort of leads on perfectly to um, trying to. I, I think it's like an obvious question at this point. Like, why, why are we even making these episodes? <laughs> Please tell me, why are we doing this? Well, look, it's inherent in some of the stuff that we've been talking about, and the fact that it can be a hard to understand, and b tremendously complex and so what we've been trying to do with these episodes uh, is at least start the conversation uh, and whether you agree with us or not that that's not what's important and uh, what's important is just that you're having the conversation right because it's easy to uh, assume people's motives um, you know we're all subject to those attribution errors um, you know that we're looking for the evidence that already supports our own point um, but it's really important to understand that this balance stuff is super super complex it can be hard to predict what the downstream will be uh, it can be really hard to do things to uh, a game or a mech or a play style um, that that people are invested in you know that's the the biggest thing about balance is that it plays with our toys it plays with our experience and that can upset us uh, we can either want something to be a certain way or we want it to remain a certain way. Um, and when those changes happen, um, you know, that can that can get us a little bit, um, you know, a little bit grumpy. So if we can understand the complexity and the process that needs to be involved when thinking about balance, uh, you know, maybe it can it can help us a little bit when we're uh, seeing those changes happen that we may not agree with. Perhaps I should um, be speaking for myself, but. I think I can. I think I can say that uh, we think that this game can be better, and that it should be better as well than what it is now. You agree with that? I do. I do. And I think probably the most important point is that the game is a flowing river. It's. It's. We. You're not working necessarily to a. You're not carving at the stone until the perfect statue comes out or the perfect sculpture comes out. Uh, Because it's free to play and because it needs to generate income through introducing new product, it has to change. So the meta has to change. The balance decisions have to change because you're you know, you're, you're introducing new mechs or weapon systems um, or you're, you know, stopping strategies uh, dominating. So mm. what you're trying to do is you're trying to get the best state of the game for the current you know constraints or you know here is mech warrior in 2018 in 2019 or 2020 for mech warrior online you know you might have 50 more mechs in the game you may have had to introduce more weapon systems you may have had to take weapon systems out uh, and you will have had to do that to keep the game alive so you know the balance picture will just be about having it be the best experience that it can be at the moment 
given all of those constraints because you're not just going to st stop with 800 megs and then work to get those 800 megs as balanced as possible um, because you're going to have you know more megs drop in six weeks time you've said a few times like that it's a you know a conversation and then i mean just sort of questioning my own <laughs> motivations for making this podcast i have to admit that i want to start a conversation with the community where we talk about these things but i also want to start a dialogue with pgi and i i don't know that um some people in pgi have listened to some of our episodes so hello guys thanks for listening <laughs> but um we're really hopeful that you know that the game can adapt and um innovate and remain successful long term that it does have you know a future and uh, you know when uh, the, these kind of conversations and these kind of changes putting you know working towards a better balanced picture will only help us in that way and look, i guess probably you know what we are talking about is there are a few realities around the balanced picture that i think both players and probably pgi uh, need to accept you know we've talked about the fact that it is ever moving um, and MechWarrior Online is free to play and that, that comes with certain constraints so the fact that it is an ever moving river um, and that it does need to change and adapt to survive because it needs to stay fresh it needs to give people reason to continue to play and to come and play you know that is a reality that players do need to accept right so um, players do need to understand that PGI do need to make some of those decisions so it's kind of reality number one for players Easy to say, easy to say, hard to do. I mean, uh, when it's your favourite mech that gets that gets nerfed or, or whatever, and you can't play it in the same way as as before, it does. It does suck. Yep, yep. And that's look, that's unavoidable. And I guess um, when those things happen, the only thing that we can do as players is try and understand, even if it annoys us. Um, you know, you may have been in love with a slope near, and it may lose some some quirks, and so it, you're not as in love with it as you once were. Uh, but fall in love with another mech, you know what I mean? It's um, you know, it's just the the realities of of the fact that it is a um a free to play model. Uh, and whilst you might have preferred that they chose another mech to make those adjustments to, it is all part of this process, uh, and it is kind of a reality uh, that does exist. I think with this type of game, saying fall in love with another mech is is probably a good. Um, my own way of saying it would be sort of adapt or die. That's something I associate with good players. Is you know when a change like this comes along. They see it as a challenge to work out what what's good now. What's the new thing? What's going to be my new favorite mech? If I can't play this one anymore, what's gonna? What am I going to do in its place? One of the key things that I would say along along these lines is don't have to buy into this salt, the the sort of rhetoric that we see out in the community that can really wear you down, whether you agree with it or not. Just to listen to that day in and day out, and that to be, you know, what you associate with this game to be negative all the time. And like I say, if you agree with that, that can still be the case. Because it's possible to be critical, but still enjoy the game. I mean, I hope we're modeling that for, for, for the listeners that, you know, we obviously have criticisms for this game and, and they're shared with most of the people in the community. It's just that at the end of the day, I still like this damn game and I still want this game to be successful. And ultimately, that's it's typically where the salt or the rage can come from is because people like the game so much and they are invested but you're exactly right you have to be critical i mean that's how you grow and that's that's um you know the the, the feedback um you know that, that the community will give and i'm sure pgi do it internally as well is you know you have to be critical of stuff to get better you know you're, you're never going to strive to greatness if you're just accepting um you know you're mm -hmm. kind of that you're doing everything awesome but i think the three key 
realities that players need to accept is you know this the constraints that come with free to play that balance is very very difficult mech warrior is tremendously complex um in just the in-game mechanisms and then it also has this rich history of games um, a lot of people have emotional connections to it for different reasons um you know there's people that are in love with the law um, and and how that is expressed uh, in MechWarrior Online. There's people that are in love with the big stompy robot feel, um, and and that's why they they love the game. Uh, and there's other people that will love it for different reasons, like the collectability or or whatever. So balancing that and keeping it fresh and making sure that something doesn't take over and be the dominant meta is super 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 tricky. And then the third reality, of course, is that you, you can't please everyone. So even if you're doing a fantastic job. Uh, with balance, there's still gonna there still needs to be criticism. You may be making a decision that makes sense, but someone's still gonna be not happy about that because yeah, you know their mech or their play style or something they enjoy about the game has been changed in a way that means that they don't enjoy it as much anymore. So those things can be a bit tricky to get your head around as a player, uh, but hopefully we can encourage people to at least understand those factors and those things you know, through, through our conversations and encourage people to have their own conversations about it. Yeah. And, and I mean, to give some sort of real world examples to those things, to the, um, you can't please everyone kind of argument is you often see in these conversations and forums or on Reddit or wherever about, um, you know, there'll be someone in there who's like, it should have been like this. That was in the TROs of, uh, you know, 1984. Um, the what did in episode one we learned the word grognard. <laughs> You're grognard. Damn it, we haven't used that again. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the first time we're going to use that word ever. The grognards who think that everything should be exactly as it was in classic BattleTech, and that was the you know the golden age of this game, and you could just apply those same mechanisms to solve all the game's problems. And then there's someone else who you know, wants to treat it like a first-person shooter, which is a fairly realistic point of view, in my opinion. There's as many points of view of what should change in the game as there are colors in the rainbow. The reality is that we can't please all those different... Grognards. <laughs> we can't please and um, pander to all those contradictory points of view. You know, you just can't have both people be perfectly happy. So someone has to compromise in this situation, right? Yeah, and you talked about the, the, the design principle, um, you know, that if you design by committee, uh, you end up getting the worst possible product. So, you know, it's almost a case of, you know, the more people that, that they try to please, probably the worse product that you or the worst balance picture that you're going to get. Uh, so you, you almost do need to make some directional, some, some uh, strategic decisions. You need to have a vision of how you want the game to look and then you need to work towards it. You know, I think it's really beneficial for players to, to understand those kind of things. But, you know, I, I guess there's probably some stuff that PGI needs to accept as well, um, you know, that you'd want any uh, business to uh, be aware of. Because, you know, ultimately, you know, PGI have a very good reason for players to be happy and to be pleased uh, and to uh, go from playing the game free to supporting it by spending money on it. And probably the first reality that I would, hope that PGI would understand is that it's it's not necessarily what you say often it's about how you say it and I think probably some of the experience for people has been that you know the way stuff has been communicated has not necessarily you know made it as easy for people to be understanding 
I mean, you could say the same thing, really, to PGI, as you've said to the players, which is don't buy into the salt. And just because these very vocal and sort of toxic um, personalities are, are raging and, and, and so forth doesn't mean that the correct response is just to turn a deaf ear to those concerns. You know, you, it's possible to be critical but still enjoy the game. Like, it's exactly what I said before. Like, you need to just tank some damage, you know, twist, twist off some of the horrible stuff people say and keep listening keep listening and trying to trying to pick out those people who you know sort of diamond in the rough kind of people where you they have some really good points and they're willing to you know start a dialogue and try it because they're the people on the ground you know experiencing your game with without all that knowledge of um you know those inside decisions and all that kind of stuff so you know their their point of view is you know at the end of the day we all sit down to play this game instead of doing something else. That's how I would see it if I was PGI. You know, there's so many things that people could do instead of all those things. They sit down and play your game and hopefully give you money as well. They're buying your product. So, you know, you've got to keep listening to them. You've got to keep in communications with them. You've got to keep, you know, trying to keep them happy, trying to balance your own sort of decision-making with, with, with what other people want as well. Yeah. And I mean, we talked about the necessity of decision-making that you can't do, can't do balance by uh, committee. And so, I mean, that's why I think it's a, a reality that PGO, you know, need to accept is that, yeah, it's not necessarily what they say, it's how they say it. And leaving, having the community still feel as though they're um, appreciated and involved, um, you know, becomes a big part of it. Because as you say, people are choosing to invest uh, often people are choosing to invest with um, with with money, uh, and so they you know they want to they want to be communicated with you know and, and that's why for PGI as a business you know it's 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 understanding that it's yeah not necessarily what you say it's just how you mm. communicate that to those players that are kind of choosing to invest which is a nice a nice segue into the kind of next reality I think is that and you've kind of alluded to it already the community want to feel involved in the decision making you know and because of all that investment that we talk about, um, you know, whether it's Grognards or Law Warriors or all these people that are invested in the game uh, for different reasons, I think it is a game that has a high mm. investment level, for back of, lack of a better word. Uh, people, um, the community, really enjoy the Battletech universe, universe or the MechWarrior experience. Um, and so I think that's one of the things that, for PGI, they just need to, to make sure that that's a focus. Um, and, you know, you mentioned... Uh, you suggested mutation weekends when we were talking about uh, the game environment. I think it is things like that. You've talked about the PTS, um, you know, and, and we've talked about maybe ways that could be improved or used uh, better. Uh, but but those type of initiatives, I think, are crucial. You know, and for me, mm. particularly concerning the balance side of the world here, I think that getting the community involved and feeling as though their voice is heard is, is a reality that I think, you know, PGI probably do need to, to um, take on board mm. uh, and stuff like Mutation Weekends or all these other initiatives um, that, that have been suggested, I think, are, are, are a pretty good place to start. What you said before really struck a chord with me about, you know, people's inf emotional investment in this game. And, and the first thing that I thought about was um, just how long some of these people have had a relationship with MechWarrior. And, you know, it might be pretty much all of their lives that, um, you know, 
you talk to someone about how they got started with Mech Warrior, and it really can be, oh, you know, those kind of stories. I was eight years old, and you know, I went round to a mate's place, and he had this game and powered it up, and I was like, what is this? Kind of thing. Those kind of emotional um, attachments that people have formed over, you know, twenty years or more. You know, they are going to be hugely invested in the game and 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 those decision making things. Uh, to, and the decision making can really, you know, trigger an emotional response in people. And one of the key things that I would say to PGI is we're really at the point now where we need to be actively building some bridges with the community. I would say that there's some there's some easy things that you could do that would just straight away let the players know that they're being listened to. And, um, you know, some of those concerns that we have had for years are, you know, being acted on. Like, make the Timberwolves great. Why not? <laughs> just make it great. Like, it's an iconic mech. It's been on the cover of how many Mech Warrior games, you know? If Mech, going back to Mech Warrior Two, you know the, those. That's how long people have had a relationship with this Mech, and it's in the game, and it's just not good. It was good, and then it's not again, and it, it really should be. Um, the Atlas is another one like this, where you know they're, they're just something that is, you know, a, a totem Mech for this franchise. That you know, even if they're not the tippy top best thing in the game, they really should be close to it they should always be like eternally exciting because those are the mechs that people are going to come into this game and hunt for you know that's those are your winners in terms of you know people already having an established relationship with certain mechs i had a little think about it again because i knew we were going to be making this episode and i i wasn't really sure straight immediately how you could make the timberwolf be good again it's kind of just been superseded. Like when it came out, there was, you know, clans, that was when clans came out and there was just nothing else around it that could do some of the things that it could do and drive the way it drove and take the loadouts that it took. But nowadays, you know, the mounts are not that great. When you play it, it can't really bring what is currently the meta loadouts, which is, you know, a large part of what makes a mech good or not is whether it can follow the meta. And so I was looking at it and I was thinking, you know, there's the Knight in 75 tons, there's the Knight Gear, there's the Thanatos, there's Orion, there's a Marauder. How about for the Timberwolf, just make it feel really great to drive. Make it move like a 60 tonner, you know. It's not going to have the loadouts and it's not going to have the, you know, all the other things that I just spoke about. But if it just felt really nice, that it moved really nicely, if it just twisted and, and um, accelerated and, you know, just felt like an old, comfortable leather armchair to jump into. Um, I think that would go a long way to making it a desirable mech to play again. Yeah, look, Midgar, yeah, make Timberwolf great again. I, I um, <laughs> nice. I think something like that would, um, yeah, would probably be a good way for PGI to show that they're plugged in, show that they are committed to involving the community as part of their decision making and. You know, this is the thing, and again, we're talking purely in the balance context here, is that things like that, um, making the iconic mechs iconic, um, and, you know, make the Timberwolf, uh, its mobility really good, um, because people obviously have such a positive association with it. 
you know, the Atlas, the same kind of thing. Uh, you know, I think that would be uh, something that PGI could do. It's relatively small risk, you know, even if um, the Timberwolf becomes suddenly one of the strongest mechs uh, to take and everyone should own it. It's not actually a bad thing, I don't think. Uh, same with the Atlas, you know. If a lot of people are suddenly taking um, Atlases out or Timberwolves out again, uh, I don't think that's a bad thing. But yeah, look, I agree with you. And I think it would, again, demonstrate um, that the community are involved uh, and that PGI I do consider, you know, the positive association that so many mech warriors and grognards like yourself uh, will have with uh, with those, those mechs. Nice. Well, there's an opportunity there to make some money as well. I mean, the Timberwolves has a hero variant and in, in that kind of just means it, because it's an omni mech that you'll be able to do whatever um loadouts you want from and, and just earn a bit more seabills while doing it and i mean the, the the hero atlases there's a couple there are both you know semi worth playing i really feel like it you know what does it cost you know come out and say it explicitly you know we have heard you this you want this mech to be good we've made it good here you go yeah and that's it's the best way to turn a situation from one that is maybe a negative to one that's a positive and i think personally i think that the timberwolf has just been a victim of wider changes i, I don't think it's been deliberately nerfed down um necessarily because it was super meta i think it's probably you know been a victim of, of uh, a group of balance um changes but yeah, it is. It would it would be a great opportunity, wouldn't it, to come out and and say, yeah, hey, we've listened. Uh, we want you involved in the decision making. We know that so many of you love it, and here's what we've done. And the warrant is um, half price MC, <laughs> half price for MC. Yeah, nice. Like oh, brilliant. Yeah, you may instantly transport people back to being eight years old again yeah, and yeah. playing that game. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But um, yeah, yeah. So Mitka, Mitka PGI, make the Timberwolf great again. I'm getting the hats made up. Nice red hat with the Timberwolf on it. Uh, yeah, nice. <laughs> Some association property. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're talking positive associations, aren't we? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So look, I, I do think that uh, you know PGI do need to be aware of it's not necessarily what you say, it's how you say it. So that becomes an important part. Um, you know, the community definitely want to be involved in the decision making. And that's probably because so many of us have positive associations with the universe, with the history. Uh, for me, it's with the game itself. Um, that's that's how I came to it, um, through you introducing me to it. Um, the last reality that I would say uh, is that often the people that are the most disgruntled for bad reasons are the most vocal. So, you know, even if you are doing things well, you will have a very vocal minority. The empty can rattles the most. So I think PGI mm. do need to be aware that uh, the bulk of opinion will often be silent. So, you know, it, it means that you need to be even better at tapping into the temperature uh, of you know, the community, uh, you need to make even extra effort to hear from those people uh, that are that kind of silent majority. If you are tapping just in to the vocal minority, you might be getting a, a you know, a bad read on how most mech warriors feel. So having those ways of, of understanding what people think and what they want, you know, if you surveyed a thousand mech pilots and 800 of them said that they would like to see uh, the Timberwolf, um, you know, great again, 
um, you know, you need to be able to understand that stuff uh, rather than maybe listen to to 10 people on the forums that are whining about that it's OP or something like that. The most disgruntled people being the most vocal, what that actually means is that they're the most emotionally invested and that, you know, even if you are in the majority, if you have an opinion that diverges from that, um, then you might, you know, come out on a forum post or a Reddit post and something and say, oh, you know, actually, I think this and this, you're going to be downvoted, shouted down. And then probably next time that opportunity comes up to have your say, you might not bother. And that's how that sort of most, I guess, I hate to use the buzzword, but echo chambers start up where, you know, you hear those people shouting the same opinions um, again and again, despite the fact in some cases, at least, not everyone thinks or feels that way when they come into the situation, at least, because it they can be influenced by that shouting. And people are more likely to shout outrage. Yeah, you're less likely to go and read it and say, hey, everything's pretty cool. But yeah, for exactly those reasons that, you you know, the echo chambers and, and outrage bubbles, um, you know, that that's why for PGI it is a reality that they need to be able to also understand those people that may not, that might get downvoted um, or, you know, that, that, that don't bother to express their opinion. Uh, being being tapped into that, I think, is a really, really important part because then that will help them mm. when they're making their balanced decisions. Yeah, if it's something like, you know, making the Tim Wolf great again or the Atlas um, great again, understand what the bulk of the community might um, might feel about mm. those changes being made. And the, I think that, you know, allowing the community to have say into some of those maybe inconsequential balanced decisions about, you know, certain mechs being good or not and those sort of things, they're not going to really affect the the major balance aspects of the game would allow you some leeway for ha- having more, um, say, into the major balance, you know, aspects of the game. If the community are being listened to and they're having some changes that they want put into the game, then they might be more willing to to have you, you know, lead from the front and you know, have a vision for the game as long as, you know, they're getting thrown a bone. Exactly. Because they feel that you would feel that you're part of the decision making. And look, I mean, we'll we'll talk very quickly about, um, oh, you know, very shortly we'll talk about our recommendations. And, and that's exactly one where local changes, um, where it is to say a mech or, or things that don't necessarily carry a lot of risk um, or that can be changed back quickly and without um, a lot of kind of uh, developer or resource commitment, those are things that they could readily hand to the community, that they could take feedback uh, in from the community because, um, yeah, they are low risk and they're hopefully they're low resource uh, from a developer point of view. So, um, you know, local changes could be made quick and they could involve the community heavily where global changes to balance, such as heat. Um, you know, you may want to be more considered. You may want to make those changes a bit slower and you might want to be a little bit more discerning about the type of feedback that you incorporate because, you know, as a business, you those global changes are probably more likely to be dictated by, you know, the business model and some of those other things as well. Yeah, and and less probably less people have a, you know, real overview into the, you know, all the aspects of, um, you know, those global changes as well. So to be, you know, just by sheer population numbers, less people who can see as many you know, have those sort of spreadsheet style overviews of, of, of weapon balance and things like that. So, you know, you listen to the people who do and then, you know, 
for the most part, you you know, lead from the front, like I said, and 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 create your vision for the game. Nice. All right. So we uh, have talked so far uh, about maybe what balance is and kind of what we've been we've been talking about. Uh, we want players to understand uh, balance. You know, we want to understand. We want them to understand that when change comes, why it comes, and and you know uh, how to incorporate that and have conversations about it. We're very keen, obviously, for people to talk it through and and um, give their feedback and make sure it's con- constructive. You know, we've talked a little bit, of, I guess, about some of the realities that both players and PGI probably need to accept moving forward. You know, to make the whole process easier. We have laced our conversation, I guess, with some things that we some recommendations that we'd make. But let's just go into that in a little bit more depth now. Uh, and I guess if we start from a player's perspective, I mean, the key thing that we'd recommend around balance would be that players kind of, they need to be understanding. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, that, that that's, that's <laughs> I mean, so far that has been the purpose of this podcast is to, is, is, is to create that understanding and to, you know, within ourselves and within our listeners is to, give you an overview of, you know, all aspects of the balanced decision that we can think of, you know, just understand that it's, there's a lot to it. Absolutely. Understand that it's complex. Understand that there's constraints because it's free to play. Uh, There's constraints that might be dictated by uh, Battletech law or um, the the constraints of the universe. Um, There's all of these things that will need to be considered uh, the risk of a change, the potential return on investment for the business. There is lots of things that will need to be considered. So, you know, the, the best way that you can approach that as a player is at least trying to understand. And you don't need to agree by, by you know, you know, have your opinion, agree or not uh, agree. But it's easier to form your opinion once you've gone through that process of trying to understand why those changes might have come up. Yeah, that's, that's, that's it, isn't it? That you, you know, it's possible to be to be critical, but still enjoy the game, and that and then be that implied within that is be critical. Do be critical. Do if you think something is the wrong move, then say so. You know, but try to enjoy yourself while you do it, and try and you know keep perspective of why we're all here. I I need to remind myself of it sometimes when I start taking this game too seriously. You know that I'm playing a computer game, and why am I playing the computer game? To be entertained and to have fun. And if I'm not, if if I'm getting so bent out of shape about losses or, or whatever that I'm not having fun anymore, then, then you know I've lost I've lost my perspective. Take a break, uh, you know. Have listen to our podcast, and you know everything <laughs> everything will be fine. So the second the second thing, of course, understand. And as Captain has said several times already, you know don't buy into the salt. I mean, it's it's not worth it. You know, it's not going to help you understand. It's actually going to limit your understanding. Um, and yeah, you know, you're kind of stopping yourself having fun. Definitely be critical. Uh, you need to be critical to understand uh, and definitely have your opinion on whether a change should be made in one direction or or another direction. Uh, but if that sodium chloride level just goes up and up and up, it will literally mean that you won't be able to think properly. It's just not healthy to be like that all the time. To be so angry and, and to have the, so much sodium in your blood is just not good for you. And it's not good for the game either, to, to that to be the only rhetoric that people see and interact with on a daily basis is, you know, fuck this shit kind of stuff. 
yeah, so for players, you know, do understand. Uh, be critical, but don't buy into the salt. I think those are probably two general um, overall recommendations that we would give. On PGI side of the world, the fundamental thing that I think that has underpinned all of the stuff that we've talked about from PGI's point of view is just around the communication. And, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, people are invested. You want them to be invested because that makes them more likely to play, more likely to pay. Um, and so the way that you communicate really helps is the is the joining tissue between the decisions that you're making and the direction that you're taking the company and the the player's perspective and what they think about it. So people don't have to agree, but if you communicate it in the right way, they might understand. And that's really what you want. You want them to understand. We encourage players to understand, and PGI can play a massive role in that by making the communication channels uh, as, as easy to use, as accessible, uh, as understandable as possible. Yeah, I mean, the it must be really tempting to just shut down those communication lines when they're just uh, uh, filled with incoherent rage twenty four seven. But um, I mean, it's really you got to just suck it up. And like I said, tank that damage, roll roll some off, and um, and just keep keep those communication lines open. Keep listening despite all that, and uh, you know, take on board what you need to hear. You know, filter. Lots of filters. Well, the benefit for PGI is the return on investment, I think, is huge because if you can break through the uh, outrage bubbles or the echo chambers, and if you can get an understanding from the silent majority, that, that's hugely beneficial to you as a business because then it can um, help you in your decision making. In your decision making, uh, it can help you in you know your marketing and all of those kind of things. The, the benefit to having that feedback so that you know what your consumer wants I mean that just underpins the you know marketing and advertising and it underpins kind of almost every successful business venture. Um, so that if they can get to that silent majority, um, and if they can you know get that exchange of information, not only does it help them in whatever changes they want to make, but it also helps them mm. decide what changes they want to make to ensure that they're getting the best kind of return on investment on on their developer hours and all of that kind of stuff. You know, bringing that down to a specific sort of level. I would say that um, you know PGI need to be at the current time. They need to be looking for quick wins in their communication and listening for areas where they can, you know, make a quick win with the community, build another bridge, like we talked about with the Timberwolf, you know, and just listen, listen out for any suggestions where it be just you know a very very simple change to basically uh, and without damaging the game kind of changes to. You know, you'll reap the benefits of have, of of making making some people happy for those small changes. Yeah, and not only for the actual in-game stuff. So if a certain mech is better or something like that, but just for the um, acknowledging that you are willing to come to the party and you're wanting to do things for the community. Look, I think it's obvious, and we'll we'll talk about some specific recommendations. But the Timberwolf might be an example of low-hanging fruit. It might be something that would take relatively small investment from uh, a developer or a resource point of view, uh, but you might get a whole lot of um, gratitude and good feedback from the community mm. for, for making changes. Goodwill. Goodwill, yeah. I mean, that's kind of one of the general general recommendations, and we touched on it earlier, was that you know where, where you can make local changes make them quick and make them in favour of the community because I think that the uh, return on investment on that is worth it. So, you know, making the Timberwolf great again, for example, 
you know, if it means that you can put the warrant on for um, half price MC uh, and, you know, it makes people happier to play the game and it makes the community happier, um, that's definitely worth it. Whereas, you know, the bigger changes, you know, the, the, the things with a far more, a wider reaching scope, um, the, those global changes, you know, you want to be a little bit more discerning. Uh, but if, if the community could see those local changes being happening quick and in response, you know, I think that that would be a really, really good, you know, way to approach it for PGI. It would mean that we could all be a, a lot more forgiving of um, missteps or bugs. Or features, as they're sometimes known. <laughs> Indeed, because, you know, I mean, putting the Thanatos in the game basically broken wouldn't have hurt so much if it hadn't just stayed like that for so long and required, I think, three subsequent buffs to get it to where it's, you know, actually worth playing now. You know, really hard to forgive, to be honest. The because it, it's 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 a really easy way to, you know, make sure that people understand that they are being heard. If something's obviously broken and wrong, then just fix it. As you know, you could up your game there, um, PGI in terms of, you know, how long it takes to turn something like that round. You got to um, turn the priority up on that on those changes um, to to something in the game that people have paid for and then have it you know just perform really really poorly is just not a great sales technique <laughs> yeah you want you want people to trust your product uh they want you want mm. people to trust your design process and you know for pgi people assume their motive um, and they assume a lot about um how they're operating based on the things that they see so if they see a product come out and that product uh, is quote-unquote faulty you know people think you know what are these guys up to uh, and if it takes that long to correct that um, you know the, the community do begin to lose a little bit of faith that uh, PGI are putting in their necessary diligence um, when when they're making these um, decisions so you know if Changes were made quickly, as you say. I think people would be a little bit more understanding. Um, I think potentially, um, when products go out and maybe they they haven't had all of the boxes ticked to make sure that they, you know, stand up to the rigors of of the battlefield. You know, it's probably because of a lack of resources. Probably because they've got so much on, mm. um, and they're letting these mechs kind of um, get out of the dropships without having tested them. Uh, as much as they should have. Um, but if they did have an agile and mobile response, as you say, I think it would make it um, you know, it would make it less likely um, for people to, to get upset if something did come out uh, and it wasn't quite right because once the feedback came in, they could be confident that that would be corrected. That's the yeah, that can be the problem, not so much that the mech itself is not what it should be, but that people begin to lose faith in the process. To put it a different way, you, you really want, you know, the sales uh, experience to be a positive one, not a negative one. If if people are buying stuff and then just having a bad time, then they're probably not going to buy more stuff. Um, at some point, they're going to stop buying. And that's not to say, like like we've discussed in these podcasts, it's not to say that every mech that comes out should be OP or, you know, the, the height of meta. It just needs to work. Basically, you need to not. You need to be able to play that mech without just getting frustrated and having a bad time while you're doing those uh, events that come out with the mechs. You know, you've got to get your thousand damage on such and such a mech. Well, if it takes you 
you know, five games to get a thousand damage, then by the end of it, you're probably going to be throwing something. And, you know, from my own point of view, I think um, my guess is that PGI are working really hard to not put out a product that is overpowered. And they're, you know, potentially in some cases overcompensating for the relative power of a mech that they, as they see it, and then putting it out with um, weak quirks or whatever. And that's kind of understandable that you don't want to, you know, put a monster into the game and then have to be like, oh, sorry, guys, we're taking this away now, Um, because that's just going to hurt a lot of feelings. But if you put a mech into the game and it, you know, with those marginal quirks and then it performs badly, then that's gives you a that gives you a mandate to immediately fix that people have seen it you know they've lived with it for a few days or whatever however long it takes you to turn these changes around a week these that's the kind of time scale i'm talking about a week you know that you, you, that should be enough time to collect some data and say hey this is not you know performing to our baseline that we had for this meek turn it around in a week hot fix that stuff and people have had enough time to say Yep, that mix in the game, and we can all see it's not that great. So sure, give it some buffs, and you know, get it performing. You know, like I said, a mandate to make those changes. I think mix provide the best example, particularly new mix provide the best example of you know, making local changes quick and making them reactive by and large. Um, that you're going and you're correcting mm. um, areas, you know, either based on community feedback or from things that you that you see yourself. It does uh, in in discussing um, mechs and mechs that are launched, um, you know, brings us to another kind of recommendation, and this is something that um, you've mentioned uh, previously, and and uh, we've talked about in the data before. But this idea of uh, rather than nerfing things down, uh, we should also see things buffed upwards. So uh, we're not necessarily talking about power creep where new mechs need to be that much better than the old mechs to make them competitive, but a- about bringing things closer to the mean. You know, if a mech completely sucks and almost no one is playing it, um, then giving them buffs that will bring it closer to the mean, bring it closer to be, uh, you know, a quote-unquote average mech rather than focusing necessarily on the mechs that are outrageously high-performing and then nerfing them, the first step might be about can we raise the, yeah. the mechs that, that haven't been performing well, can we get them closer to the mean? Yeah, and I, as I had to sound like a broken record, but, you know, if, 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 if someone listening hasn't heard it before, we're not talking about, like Cousin said, we're not talking about power creep and making every mech a monster. We're talking about increasing the diversity of what you see on the battlefield because at the moment, 99% of the mechs that you see in any given game are going to be decent mechs. And they may have terrible builds on them, but the mechs themselves, people are going to be bringing the ones that are pretty good most of the time. Maybe 99% is a little high. But, but you know, there's, there's mechs that you just never see. And that's because they're not good. And so if they were buffed up to be, you know, on the mean sort of on your baseline for performance, then they would also be represented on the battlefield. And there wouldn't be a bunch of stronger mechs on the battlefield. There would just be a bunch more different mechs on the battlefield. So rather than everyone having to take the meta, uh, yeah, you're giving people different reasons to play those, those mechs. Um, and, you know, I, I think that we can name uh, a few mechs that are really, really fun to play 
uh, and have been given some deliberate quirkage to, to get them to that point. Uh, you know, the Sleipnir was one and the quick draw was another. You know, I think those are examples of, of, of positive moves, um, you know, and, and uh, I don't think either of those mechs are OP or, or meta by, by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, others might disagree. The more that you can take mechs and try and move them closer to the mean or or, or um, just above it, you know, yeah, if you move all of the mechs above the mean, of course, you're going to get power creep. Uh, but if you move as many as you can closer to the mean um, so that they're as far below it as others are above, um, you know, I think you get the better, the best um, kind of diversity uh, of the type of mechs and play styles that people would want to play. Yeah, I think the opportunity for PGI here is that um, you know, if if you buff up some of those mechs that are you know gathering dust in people's mech bays or or people just have never bought because they're just not good, that um, you you will you know buy into some of that pokey mech style mech collecting where people have to have all the good mechs and um, you know people are going to put a lot of money into those you know newly available products, which means you know less money in our mech bank accounts which is good for pgi because the you know that they they're probably looking for ways to get people to spend their c bills on the game because you know the poorer we are <laughs> the more we tend to lean on those sort of um shortcutting methods of buying mc and things like that to to get things that we want to get and look i, I want to emphasize here that in recommending this idea of bringing things closer to the mean we're not necessarily saying that pgi need to sit down and look at all 700 plus mechs and make everyone you know where it needs to be we're talking about it more as a philosophy towards balance um so that you know if we are seeing mm. that a strategy is emerging or if we're looking for a way to keep things fresh for for people buffing things and bringing them closer to the mean um, can be a way that you can do that. And it's not that you have to do it, but you should use that as a preference. So rather than dragging things down, the first thing that you should look at is can we bring something up? You know, if the Hellbringer is dominating um, in its tonnage bracket, um, what else is comparable and should be comparable? And are there things that we can do to bring those other mechs closer to the mean um, wherever we want that to be and that does pose some challenges around the difference between tonnage brackets it can be hard to balance a light against an assault but again if we are looking at you know as a first port of call when we're looking at balance and we're looking at, the, at those changes to you that we're looking to bring things up closer to the mean before we're looking at bringing things down even if we look at weapon systems uh, you know it might be worth making uh, weapon systems like AC-20s better than bringing say clan laser down you know even though you know clan laser might be op if you make uh, ac20s better you might start cutting into the to the fact that people are playing help bringers all the time buff the counters yeah yeah buff the counters exactly right all right so i mean we've given some some overall recommendations there both from a player's perspective and from pgi's perspective and they can be boiled down pretty simply that for players we think need to be understanding of the changes uh, and not to buy into the sold uh, and from PGI's point of view you know that they need to be very clear with their communication use communication as a tool to help them achieve the other things that they want to achieve uh, to make changes quickly uh, to tackle that low-hanging fruit and use the change cycle and the change process again as a way to keep the community on board buying their product and enjoying the game uh, and as an approach towards balance, you know, that we're encouraging and we think that PGI should look at the 
moving things closer to the mean um, and, and buffing things up as well as, uh, you know, nerfing things down, uh, but looking at buffing, uh, you know, is that, that kind of foremost approach. But we do have um, some specific ones, things that probably both you and I wish for, or um, from a balanced <laughs> perspective, um, things that we would like to see happen. Um, so we'll go over those quickly. And, and again, uh, for everyone listening, you might have your own list in your head. You might agree with ours. Um, uh, you might think that we've got no idea, but yeah, please do um, give us some feedback uh, in particular on um, our ones. So yeah, if we were working in um, and sitting in a room in, in PGI headquarters tomorrow, uh, these would probably be kind of the key things that we would uh, recommend straight away. And that means that some of them are just, you know, things that we personally want to see in the game. And some of them are things that we, you know, Cozen and I agree on very strongly and have been talking about throughout the course of these podcasts. So, I mean, maybe we could just say one each. I think that is a good approach. Cool. You want to kick off? I'll start because I'm handsomer. So, um, <laughs> as the, wait, 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 wait. So, as the resident data nerd of the podcast, the single biggest thing that I would like to see change to improve the balance picture would be um, to improve or establish a good uh, pilot skill rating, uh, a PSR. Paul talked specifically about the changes that they wanted to make to faction play to make sure that. Uh, teams got matched against teams as much as that could happen uh, because it was generally accepted that that was going to be a better experience. If a 12 man got matched against a 12 man, it's probably going to be a better experience for everyone involved. I think that logic holds even more or just as much for quick play. And I think the only way to do that is to have a good PSR, therefore having a good matchmaker um, and having mobility in the tier system. So the more. Mm often that you match players of equal skill together, uh, the better player experience that you would have. So that would be my first one. Yeah, that's really nice. And I think it's one that appeal to people across the community and across different points of view and all those kind of things is that we want to be playing games against people with a similar skill level and have it evenly matched games that, you know, the best ones are the ones that come down to a 1v1 or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. That's what we want to work towards. And I, I actually, my first one that I have would really help with that, I think. And that's something people have been saying for a long time. And I, I'm not really sure if there's some sort of technical limitation for why it hasn't been done or, or what, but I really think that the game would benefit a lot from giving people stuff that they can do while the game's searching. Because, you know, at the moment in the game, you click go, you know, you click, click search, and you're locked out of everything. You're locked out of chat, you're locked out of the store, you're locked out of, you know, opening loot boxes, you're locked out of the mech lab. Now, if we had stuff to do while we were searching for a game, let's remember this mech warrior is a game of two halves, <laughs> like rugby <laughs> <laughs> or football or whatever. Mech warrior is a game of two halves. It's the game of, you know, stompy robots and shooting people. And it's the game of the mech lab. And it really is, you know, in some ways, really like two different games that just tie together where, you know, you can win or lose in the mech lab. And I guarantee you that if people were able to spend a ton of time fooling around and tooling around in the mech lab in the store where they were searching for a game, A, they would give you a shit ton of money because bored people spend money. And B, they'd be way more tolerant of a good matchmaking system. Because, you know, if you've got something to do while you wait, rather than just staring at a spinning circle, 
probably almost going to forget about the fact that you're searching for a game sometimes and kind of resent the fact that you find a game because oh, I was in the middle of building this mech, which kind of, I guess, brings you across to those technical limitations. Maybe there's a reason why um, it's difficult to, you know, have people fooling around in the mech lab and then have put them in a game and then bring them back to that specific sort of situation that they were in halfway through painting a mech or putting bolt-ons on it or decals or whatever. Maybe there is. I mean, it seems like the recent change where you were able to make some changes to your mech and then take it into the testing grounds is kind of halfway there because you can, you know, without saving or buying anything, you can even go into the store now. You can build and customize a mech in the store. You can load a build someone else has given to you. And then you can take it into the testing grounds and stomp around and then come back without paying anything for that mech. So that feels like we're almost halfway there. But yeah, I think uh, you should, you know, choose a mech, start searching, lock that mech down. That's fine. I can handle that um, because we want, you know, there to be no doubts about what mech we t we've taken into the game, you know. But every other mech in your mech lab should be accessible, changeable, um, paintable, bolt-onable. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a really big one for me. Yeah, that'd be huge. I mean, think about if the store would be the only thing that you could go into uh, when you mm. were when you were doing it. Yeah, look, I agree. I think waiting times are a killer, uh, and mm. you know, it, to do something like that, say if it was feasible, uh, I, I think people would be yeah far more forgiving of a, of long wait times. Um, and if you do have a say a smaller community, you probably need to look at those methods uh, to keep people engaged. I mean, how many people? I wonder how many people are alt tab out to do something else while they wait and it crashes their game, stuff like that. You know, I think, yeah, you'd, you'd get a lot of um, a lot of buy-in. Now, that does lead me in nicely into my next recommendation because in faction play, and one of the things I enjoy about faction play is while you're waiting, you can go and build a drop deck or, or those kind of things. Um, and that's a little bit in line with what you're saying. You know, you probably want to expand the functionality so that it's not just selecting mechs but building mechs and even, say, buying them. I think that potentially the way that, particularly for quick play, the, the map mode selection stuff, maybe there needs to be a rethink there. You know, maybe the map and mode is selected and then during the screen, um, the, the, the drop deck screen, maybe it's like faction play where you have a, you can have a prepared drop deck of up to four mechs and you can select any one of those to take into the map and the mode. Uh, I think, mm. you know, again, people can be, it can be a little bit like throwing a dart at a dartboard sometimes, um, you know, I know for you, Kat, when you're taking your Lume Atlas out, it can be really, really tricky um, if you suddenly get mining <laughs> collective, you know, because here you, here you are hoping for Polar Islands. But yeah, you know. Slender. Yeah. And I know. Lies and slender. I know it might mean that you start to only see certain mechs on certain maps, but I think people would even get bored of that after a while. I, I think the positives would certainly outweigh the negatives. Um, you know, imagine if you could do stuff while you were waiting and then when the map and mode came up, you could then select your mech after that. I think you'd be maximizing the player experience. Yeah, and you could limit it however you saw fit. I mean, it's a very interesting idea. You could limit it however you saw fit if you thought that people should only be able to have two mechs in that drop deck, you know? then that even just that would give people a lot of options to be like, well, do I want my short range or my long range mech? 
you could work it into the narrative, you know, you could say to people, you know, this is the this is the dropship that's flying towards the certain battlefield. What what mm. are you loading your um this is how many, you know, spots you've got. You know, the 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 way it happens with faction play, you know, you people will suspend <laughs> I think people would suspend their disbelief, um, you know, just because it would it would work better. So yeah, I think that would greatly improve the balance picture because you'd start to see a, a truer measure. Uh, of performance because people would be able to actively select the uh, the mech um, that they think is uh, is best for the mapping mode. Yeah, it would, it would have some very interesting changes in the game, and it would make you know potentially choosing Polar Highlands if you're say you're in an LRM boat now. Obviously, you want to choose Polar Highlands. Well, maybe that'd be just slightly less appealing if you knew that you know people were going to counter you a bit harder on that. And so it might even out those maps a little bit more. Absolutely. I think you'd start to get the, the double bluff um, type process. You know, all oh, people think I'm going to take a, uh, a missile boat, so I'm going to take a fast brawler with ECM or something like that. So, yeah. But look, people people scam it now. You you and I both know that people want to save their multipliers um, by tanking. Uh, and the reason people tank is because the map doesn't suit their mech. So, uh, you know, it's it, I think the, again, I think the positives would outweigh the negatives. You've mentioned the drop decks for quick play and and so forth, and and I've mentioned giving stuff, giving people stuff to do while they're searching. One thing I'd really like to see, and this is particularly as an AP or Oceanic Time Zone player, I'd love to have a little bit more insights into the various cues in the game because there are a lot of cues in this game. And um, for faction warfare, you get a nice little pop up that says, you know, that um, some people are looking to form up a group and. Um, they need you to join them to be able to make uh, 12-man. I'd love to see that happening for some of the other modes in the game because at the moment, I don't know if you guys realize this, but in the Oceanic time zone for probably about a year now, it's been really, really hard in our prime time to get a group queue game. You know, as a unit, we go into the group queue uh, with a certain amount of pilots in there. Say we go in there with four people and start searching and maybe search 20 minutes and don't find a game. And we have no way of knowing whether that's because there's nobody else searching for a group queue game, our group is the wrong size, you know, or, or C, none of the above. I, we, you just have no insights into the activity in those queues and um, to whether the group size that you're bringing is, is, is going to fit. It would mean that Matchmaker could do a much better job with making the teams because... Obviously, if there's more people in the queue, you're going to have more people to choose from to make a good, well-matched game. And another factor is that because we're not getting group queue games in the AP region, there's a lot of people who would regularly play in groups in there who are just jumping straight into sync dropping into the solo queue, which is obviously pretty destabilizing on those games. So I think, yeah, having greater insights into the queues there would just mean that, you know, you've got more people to choose from. and that would be great for balance. And Solaris is another one, another area of the game where that we need some pop-ups or something for saying somebody's searching in Division 7 Solaris because, you know, if, you, if you're into Solaris, um, it's pretty boring to sit there just in one person in the queue for however long just because you want to get that elo up and you want to perform well this season. Well, maybe just nobody's going to oblige you with a game right now, but if we had a pop-up, that said, there's two, three, one people in Division 
five of Solaris right now, then you know people might be more willing to jump across and 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 populate those um, queues. Yeah, and uh, from the balance perspective, I think uh, Solaris is uh, an opportunity potentially missed because I think that you would be able to get awesome metrics mm. about player skill uh, with the one v one. You know, I think if you compared someone's one v one ability versus how they perform in team, you know, quick play and group queue and faction play, you know, you're you're seeing different aspects of um, and different challenges for a player. So, you know, if there were, were the call to arms for Solaris and more people were playing, then yeah, you know, that could could benefit the balance picture because suddenly you're getting you know a better range of of metrics about player performance. Must be your turn. It is my turn, um, and this one, uh, this is one that I, is, is pretty personal, and I, I've harped on to you about it before, but um, I think that the balance picture uh, could be improved by introducing, or, or the introduction of more new quirk types. So mm-hmm. I was um, head over heels uh, with the uh, spiders capping assist quirk, uh, not because I play spiders all the time, but because it was a new quirk type, um, and you know it gave reasons for people to play the spider. And likewise with the um, the ghost heat limit quirks, brilliant. Again, it means that they can target specific mechs, like say the hunchback, or you might you know the awesome. Obviously, you can make local changes to specific mechs. And it would be a brilliant method to bring mechs closer, uh, buff mechs upwards, bring them close to the mean, as we mentioned. Uh, and yeah. the analogy that I could give is for something like, say, Magic the Gathering. I'm sure a lot of people out there, uh, if they haven't played it, they're at least familiar with with you know the, this, the card games or even board games, where Magic uh, has had to introduce these new abilities um, that, that creatures or, or, or cards will have. Because people will use those, they needed those those different factors uh, to construct decks and and, and uh, build strategies. Uh, and I think MechWarrior, it has a lot of complexity, but I think that's actually one of the strengths. I think that's something people love. Uh, and if you introduced new quirk types, then you know suddenly if a Jenna is languishing as one of the the least played mechs. Uh, you could give it a, a quick. I keep picking on the general. I'm, I'm, you know, Jenna bashing again. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> you know, you would you you could give people a reason to play the Jenna, and, and even if it's related to a specific game mode, it could be a Solaris only quirk or or a faction play only quirk, um, or whether it's stuff like a, a game mode only quirk, like the capping assist. I think it just opens up the door to give almost any mech uh, a new a reason to play, and it also gives a reason for say a new mech is coming out um so you know the champion just has come out and that one's great but um you know it may be that this new mech is coming out and it's coming out with this new quirk type it would even give more reason for people to go and to go and buy it this idea then and i've and i've talked to you about this before is that you could even have um synergy quirks so you could have a quirk type for example where um if you have a cyclops within 100 meters it extends your ECM range or something like that. You know what I mean? You could you could have these synergies between uh, mechs. Uh, obviously, I'm not big uh, on the law, so I'm, I don't particularly know historically what there might be, but for certain houses or, or factions, it could be that uh, in the law, 
that they work together in some way. And in bringing that kind of thing in would be great. You know, you'd give people a reason to take uh, combinations of mechs into group queue or faction play or comp um, as they, you know, utilize these kind of um, quirks that have synergies. You know, imagine a quirk where you're, you got a buff to cooldown to missiles if you were by, you know, another mech of a certain chassis or a certain variant um, or something like that. So yeah, if they had those new quirk types, I think you would automatically have something that you could quickly and easily apply to keep the game fresh, to, uh, you know, if you found that clan lasers were starting to get uh, OP, you could introduce a quirk that helped counter those, you know what I mean? And yeah, it could be something as basic as reduce damage from lasers or something like that, but, you know, probably positive quirks would be would be more what you would look at. Uh, the Cyclops that you mentioned is a great example of this, actually, because it's, <clears throat> for some reason, PGI sort of dabbled with this idea and then seemingly kind of discarded it with the Cyclops, where they had, you know, if you're standing near a Cyclops, you have a little bit more sensor range. It's it's a nice little flavorful thing that the Cyclops has. It maybe just wasn't quite taken to the levels it could have been, because at the moment, I think nobody's putting, for example, in comp, nobody's putting a Cyclops in their drop deck just to get that sensor range thing but on the other hand uh, it, it is like i say a nice flavorful aspect to playing the cyclops and um you know you get a little pop-up on the right side of your screen when it's active um there could be numerous other mechs like that and there may be even ways of you could put it in the game so that there's ways of combining mechs or like you said synergies where you could have you know if you had a cyclops next to something else where you have an extra sensor range or i, I don't know you know, make it so that when you put certain things together, you can, you know, make little combos. Exactly. And this is, it's one of the things about the game that I think people love, the complexity, the, the people that, the brilliant, brilliant pilots uh, and tacticians and strategists out there that will pour over that stuff and that will work out, you know, we often play these games uh, to look for the exploits. You know, so many of us are driven um, to find those winning strategies uh, and that's that's part of the fun is is being able to find that so by introducing those those quirk types rather than just the you know the armor buffs or the cooldowns um, that we see at the moment if you could start to introduce some novel ones like the cap assist like the ghost heat limit you really start to open up um, you know the, the, the possibilities and I think that that's something that the balance picture could benefit from uh, because yeah, you're you're suddenly employing all those um all those mech nerds out there to be working out what the different um strategies, uh, potential yeah. strategies to win could be. You know the same way people do uh, in a game like Magic with the different uh, types of combos that you can that you can um get uh, with different abilities and different cards. I think that you could you could start to do that with Mech Warrior as well. Yeah, get people interested again. Get people reinvested and trying to understand you know, how they can uh, min-max those little systems and come up with something new. Mm. Great. I love it. Well, this brings me to my last one, uh, whilst we are talking about um, changes and, and trying things out. And um, obviously this isn't my idea. This is actually um, something that you mentioned, but I think it's worth um, making this list about our recommendations uh, for balance. Um, but you talked about mutation weekends. So you talked about those active periods uh, where they trial changes in the live environment uh, and those changes could be simple uh, you know it could be taking away the ghost heat limit 
on weapon systems or completely for two days uh, or it could be themed uh, you know Halloween's coming up so you know you, you have some kind of theme uh, that you run across those weekends but um, if mutation weekends were there I think from a balanced perspective you get the data that is most representative uh, I think PTS is limited in that you get selection bias you only get certain people playing it um, and they're only playing it for a certain reason uh, I don't think it mimics live environment as well as it could uh, and I think mutation weekends would both give you that uh, representation of a change in a live environment and if they were just local changes if they were things that were relatively low investment of resource of developers etc you would have the opportunity for the community to suggest things for those mutation weekends. So mm. again, it would help support the uh, communication strategies. It would help with um, the buy-in. It would help, for example, if you released a mech uh, like the Thanatos um, with, say, big geometry that their side torsos were getting blown off. You could very easily use a mutation weekend and say, right, we're going to now have the Thanatos uh, with tremendously buffed um, side torsos so uh, if you were looking to make corrections you could even use the mutation weekends for that and try it in a live environment so yeah I, I think something mutation weekends kind of represent the PTS almost evolved uh, but I think something needs to happen to evolve the PTS beyond this petri dish because I do believe that you get a real select uh, you get a selection bias you know you only get certain people playing the uh, pts uh, and i don't think you get an accurate gauge of of uh, the changes that you're trying to see uh, whereas something like the mutation weekends opens up not just the better pts because you're, you're testing a live environment but it also becomes a way that you can um, you know improve communication and, and, and allow uh, the community to feel as though they're feeding back around balance yeah nice i mean obviously i'm on board with this change but I think, um, you know, one of the key barriers to the, the P PTS working is that it's a pain in the ass to get the PTS up and running on your system. That you, you know, have to download it, you have to, you know, find space in your computer, you have to, um, you know, get your, either copy your profile across from the, from the main game or, you know, which is actually quite difficult. <laughs> if you want your keybinds and all that kind of stuff to be the same and all your settings to be the same, you have to copy across your profile. Otherwise, you have to, you know, the, the sort of so-called easy option is to go in and reset all that stuff manually. And that's just a, a huge barrier to participation in that. And they've, and add to that, they've, they've only just started offering any kind of rewards for participating in the PTS. You know, if it was a, if it was in live where, you know, you download a patch for your game and then you, you, you play it over the course of one weekend every however long, then, you know, there's, I think there's a lot, for a start, you're going to get a lot more people participating because anyone who wants to play MechWarrior that day will be participating in this and make it really clear. And like I said last time this was mentioned, you need to really strongly incentivize this so people are keen to get in there and give it a go, despite the fact that it might be a bit different and weird. They're going to get you know a ton of GXP or something like that for it, something that people want. And the other thing is, I I think that there'll be a lot less emotional investment into those changes because problem that PGI have now is people see the PTS as a huge threat. Like they play the PTS and if it's not perfect, they're like, oh no, this is what they're going to do to the game. They're going to bring this exact PTS into the game and, and make it live. 
and I, if I don't, you know, lose my rag right now, if I don't go crazy, that's going to happen. So I need to go nuts. And that's seen a lot of PTSs just sort of vanish into the dirt because basically people were poisoned against those changes because they weren't perfect or they were, you know, sometimes really bad in the PTS. Point of the PTS should be to tr- to try something that isn't perfect and just to see how it goes. And I think these mutation weekends would, would, would really take the pressure off those situations if it was something that was on the regular, uh, something that happened every month. And some of them were just for fun, like on Halloween, you know, everyone has a pumpkin for a head or something. And it, you know, headshots are a lot easier to get. Or I don't know, you know, you could come up, you see it in other games, but you could come up with a million reasons, um, a million ways that you could to change the game and keep it fun and fresh um, just for those two days a month. Um, and then alternately, when you want to test something out, you can throw it on those. Um, you know, if you're, someone in your office has an idea and you're like, well, it might work or it might be awful, try it out. If someone in the community has an idea and, you know, want to see how it plays out or if the idea has any merit, chuck it on there for, you know, one or two days and and nobody needs to lose any huge amount of sleep over it. Yeah, I looked at, I think Mutation Weekends and the PTS is probably a really good example of it's not necessarily what you say, it's how you say it. And so the PTS is a, is a real how you say it problem. Uh, again, there's those gateways, as you said, um, to even accessing it, yeah, it, it doesn't necessarily represent what it is that you're trying to see. So yeah, I agree with all your points there. And you know, mutation weekends become uh, not just a way to get more representative live data, uh, but a, yeah, a communication tool, as you were saying. It's a it's a medium that uh, the community could use to um, you know encourage PGI to make changes. They could say, hey, you should do this. PGI can try it in a mutation weekend. And then PJ can come back and say, well, actually, this is what the data showed us. So, you know, we, we don't think that that's a change that we want to make um, or vice versa. Uh, yeah, they see it and they think, yeah, that's pretty good. Well, we'll put that out there. So, yeah, I think stuff like Mutation Weekends gives you more than just um, more representative data. Uh, it also allows you to have a, uh, it's almost a communication strategy. Uh, it's almost a, a communications plan. Uh, so I definitely think that there'd be huge benefits from a balanced perspective uh, both in yeah more representative data and you know people's attitude towards the changes that you're going to make yeah and this is almost a, you know reframing it's almost a pr move to to call your pts and, and to present your pts in a different way as well as another way to look at this so that's a it's a lot of conversation in this podcast and i think we can probably cap it there yeah, I think I think any more, and uh, people will will just have too much to think about. So, might be one of those pods <laughs> you have to <laughs> go back and listen to twice. I'll I'll certainly listen to it uh, a couple of times through just to make sure that uh, even I got all the points uh, that we've talked about. So, uh, thank you everyone for uh, staying with us. Uh, as we mentioned earlier in the episode, uh, if you haven't heard uh, or listened to the first four episodes in this balance series. Uh, we really would encourage you to go and do that. It will help give some context to some of the stuff that we've been talking about today. Uh, but ultimately, uh, to restate our mission statement, we really wanted to just have a conversation about balance. We understand its complexity. We understand uh, that it's not easy. Uh, and we understand it's really important uh, to everyone out there playing. Uh, so it is worth talking about. 
And uh, we do want to hear your opinions. Uh, as we always say, uh, we would love to hear your take on some of the things that we've said today, uh, both our kind of overall view of it uh, and some of the specific stuff um, that we've talked about today. You know, Mitka, make the Timberwolf great again. If you don't remember <laughs> anything else, uh, then just, just remember that. <laughs> I'm getting the hats made. <laughs> yeah, you could get them on our website, Mitka. They're going to be anything but red, though. <laughs> so stick at it. Understand, uh, don't buy into the salt uh, and keep playing a game that I think uh, we all really, really love and enjoy. Yeah. So I think that was, uh, you know, obviously we, it's, it's been a bit of a longer one this time, but there, there really was, we, we really wanted to summarize it all and, and make it really clear about what we were saying and why we were saying it. And so, um, you know, it's taken a little bit longer to get through that, but hopefully you're entertained and hopefully you really into some of those suggestions we've made and recommendations and 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 can take up the rallying cry to um hopefully get some of these changes in the game make the timberwolf great again hmm. couldn't agree more couldn't agree more all right captain fun as always and uh yeah we'll uh, catch you guys uh, around the battlefield If you did enjoy this content, then please consider supporting us. You can do this in a multitude of ways, including subscribing to our podcast on your favourite podcast platform and leaving reviews, as well as subscribing to us on YouTube and liking our videos. You can also support us by sending us feedback, either through comments, tweets, or directly through email. Tweet and follow us on Twitter at IncomingP, or email us directly at IncomingMissilePodcast at gmail.com. You can also support us directly by becoming a patron or sponsor. You can find us on Patreon at Incoming Missile Podcast and choose one of three tiers of support. Patrons not only get mentioned on the podcast and get access to exclusive content, but can even join us as a guest host on the podcast. You can also opt to sponsor an episode through one-off donations, all of which will be used as giveaways for our listeners. So if you had a product, service, or content that you'd like us to mention, contact us to discuss sponsoring an episode. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We look forward to hearing from you. We appreciate you listening, and we'll catch you next time. Shutdown sequence initiated.